0: Hello, I'm Tenny and this is Not Defined by Endo. If you or someone you know and love has been diagnosed or is suffering from symptoms of endometriosis, then this podcast is dedicated to you. Each episode, I share my own experiences, interview health professionals and other specialists and speak to those who know what it feels like to live with and fight an incurable disease. Please remember that I'm not a health professional, so always speak to your healthcare professionals before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle. On this note, let's begin. Good afternoon, and thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so grateful to have Dr. Anita Sharma with me today and Courtney Omrad, and these two are going to be having a conversation with me about endometriosis, what they're doing at the moment and how it has impacted either of them. So let's begin. I'll start with you, Dr. Anita, can you share a bit about yourself, what you do and how endometriosis advocacy became a passion for you?
1: Yep. Thank you. So I'm a GP with special interest in gynae and women's health stands high on my agenda for years. I provided contraceptive service for older patients, including fitting coils, and did train GPs and medical students. I provided the prolapse service, fitting pastries for patients with prolapse, doing follow-up, and my plan was to train other GPs so that they can take the workload with them because the funding was not good, so the GPs did not want to deliver the service. And it was getting too tiring. So I stopped providing that service. I was an undergraduate trainer of medical university and I trained fourth year medical students, but only focusing on gynecological problems. I also helped set up a community gyne clinic in Oldham to reduce pressure on the secondary care so that they can focus on complex. Gynecological problems and community gyne clinic can provide simple services to reduce the waiting time in the secondary care. I've also been doing gynae triage for Oldham GPs and that means I go through all the referrals, gynae referrals done by Oldham GPs, look at the referral, make sure the history is proper, make sure they've done the first line investigations before I forward the patient to the secondary care. Otherwise, their referral at the secondary care will get rejected and patient will carry on waiting and waiting. I wrote a book on gyne in primary care and I got the first BMA prize on that and that is doing very well. So now they've asked me to write a book on endometriosis, which I am doing due to be published in February, March next year. Uh, I'm also a GP member of uh, NICE guideline group and at present I'm helping develop the menopause guidelines and also the breast cancer guidelines. So, mainly focusing on women's issues. I'm also chair of Women's Doctor Forum, BEDA. BEDA stands for British International Doctors Association. And I do regular presentations for GPs on women's health issues. So, this year I've been to London to do MIMS presentation on endometriosis. And that was in June. Then I went to Birmingham as well, again on endometriosis. That was a public health issue. And again, it was on endometriosis diagnosis and management. So that's me. So why endo? I was a GP member of NICE guideline group on endometriosis which was published in 2017. So when in my practice, I was seeing patients waiting to be seen by the specialist, you will be hearing from Courtney, suffering with this debilitating pain, I felt something needed doing. We had the guidelines, the guidelines clearly said what the GP should do, when the referral should be made, and what the specialist center should be doing. So I felt why the patients were waiting and waiting. So I involved the secondary care endometriosis specialist as well, the consultants. And I said, here are the guidelines. But somehow we're not following the gu- I know guidelines are not mandatory, but it's still there to guide the physician, the practitioners, the consultants as to what should be done. Because it was not happening, so I felt something needed doing urgently because patients were attending A&E, getting inappropriate diagnosis, discharged on pain relief and the contraceptive pill. So that is why I developed the Endometriosis Awareness not Charity with Courtney.
0: Amazing. Wow. That is interesting. You've done so much and I think it's a privilege that you have come into endometriosis and you're making a difference to some of us that are in this space and are dealing with endometriosis. So thank you very much for telling us about yourself and over to you, Courtney. I would love to hear your story as an endometriosis warrior. So how did you get diagnosed? When and you know what led to it and what has your journey been like?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, so my diagnosis, it took around seven years to get diagnosed. And when I started suffering of all the pains and symptoms at school, I'd never even heard of the word endometriosis. I mean, this is going back to nearly 12 years ago now. Um, I was about 12 years old when I started my periods at school and they were just, they were so heavy and so painful and compared to my other friends, they'd just be able to have a paracetamol, have some ibuprofen and they'd be fine, they'd be able to get on with the lessons, the classes and I just found that whenever my period would come, they'd be so heavy, so painful and it didn't matter what I took for the pain. I'd still end up, I'd end up passing out in school, off the toilet, I'd end up throwing up and just, it was a constant pattern of this every time I got a period. and I just didn't understand what was wrong with me and I'd have to have so much time off school and go home because I just couldn't continue my education, I was missing so much school because of it Um, and I do remember when I was younger I decided to go on the pill because I went to the doctors because I thought my period's so heavy, let's see if I can try something so I did go on the pill from um, the periods and it completely stopped my periods. And so as the next couple of years went on, I actually forgotten how painful my periods were. But then each month, which I now know was still the time of my period, I started to get this real debilitating back pain. Um, and it was just so excruciating. And I was so passionate about sport and I loved PE at school. Um, and I had massive dreams to go and be a teacher. I wanted to go to university. And I found that I couldn't even complete my, I had to get special consideration from the exam board for my GCSEP because I was, I literally couldn't get out of bed at this point. Each month my back would keep going. I was getting these awful pains all down my legs and into my knees, my stomach, my back, my pelvis area. And this was just happening monthly. And then when I was about 14, I started to notice and it was happening maybe every two to three weeks, nearly all month long. And it wasn't until I actually went to college that I started with what I'd say was all the classic symptoms of endometriosis and I really did know that something was wrong then. Um, I mean I'd had all these scans anyway, I'd had scans on my stomach and my back that were all coming back normal Um, and they were doing blood tests of course again with endometriosis, they were all coming back normal and I just didn't know what was wrong with me and doctors were pointing at a psychological route saying they felt it might have been health anxiety and it might have been pain that was in my head and I was just hypersensitive to pain and it's probably trauma and all these things that doctors were saying to me and they pushed me to go and see a counsellor in the end and that was really difficult because I knew there was something wrong with my body I just knew I couldn't imagine all this awful pain that literally I'd be on crutches in the end I couldn't walk I had to use crutches just to get up in the morning and get myself to school and college Um, and then when I was at college I started to have these awful symptoms like painful um, weeing painful bowel movements um, and when I did eventually go for a bowel movement they'd be so bloody um, around again what was the time of month and then I'd find straight after my period I might not even go I might not be able to open my bowels for nearly 10 days sometimes and all these symptoms that were happening and crippling fatigue and then of course at the time I was with my ex-partner and my first proper boyfriend and I remember when we tried to be intimate it was so painful and I'd speak to my friends and I'd say oh gosh I've me and my partner last night, I'd say, is this how it feels for you? And they'd, they'd look at me like I was crazy, like, what, what are you on about? It shouldn't feel like that. And, you know, you shouldn't feel like you're being stabbed to death whilst you're trying to do something that should be so lovely. Um, And it was just all these awful symptoms, but it was just getting worse and worse. And I found in the end I couldn't even complete college um, because I, I just became so weak. I was so fatigued and in pain every single day at this point. It didn't matter if I had my time a month. It was just daily chronic pain and fatigue um and I actually I forgot about my periods and I thought well oh, I'll try and come off the pill and see if you know if, if that's having an impact on anything in my body because I'm quite young being on the pill so I came off it and oh my gosh I will never forget that first period when I was about 17 I was just I just remember waking up in the night there was blood everywhere like everywhere in the bed I tried to stand up and then just collapsed onto the floor I was in so much pain I was making all these groaning noises and being sick on the floor and I, I had to crawl to the bathroom just to try and use the toilet and it was just awful. It was, I was in so much pain, my mum just didn't know what to do. Um, And on another occasion, this was before we decided to try and push things further, Um, again with my ex-partner at the time, I'd gone to use the toilet on my period and my bowels, it was so painful that I passed out off the toilet Um and apparently i was being sick but because i'd passed out i was choking on my six so i was on my back so if he hadn't been there at the time he, he rolled me onto my side and called an ambulance because he just didn't know what to do he didn't have a, I i wouldn't wake up from the amount of pain and that's just from severe pain and at this point i thought I, this can't be right they can't be telling me all this is in my head because my body's actually responding now i'm I'm throwing up i'm passing out this isn't normal um, and we'd been to the doctors where i, I saw multiple gps and it doesn't matter. As you know, it doesn't matter if you've got a doctor, when you go to the doctor, you can get any doctor that day. And it doesn't matter. All the doctors that I would see would just say, oh, no, no, it won't be that. It's probably just IBS. And I had to push so hard. Um, And it wasn't until my dad paid for me to see a private physiotherapist. Um, And thank goodness, because we'd never heard of endometriosis, he'd had a look at my stomach. He had a feel and he said it felt he could feel like what he thought was scarring. And he asked me if I had ever had a surgery. I said no. And he was assessing me and he said, have you ever heard of endometriosis? And me and my dad were like, wow, no, um, what's this? And he told us all about it. He said, go home and Google it. He said, and I want you to push your doctor to send you for a referral because I really think you've got it. And oh my gosh, for the first time in all those years, I finally didn't feel crazy. It was like, wow, oh my God, I could see all these symptoms, the painful sex, the painful bowel movements, um, when you were in, and pains in your stomach back and legs all everything just made sense and I was I said to my dad right I think I've got this and my parents totally agreed with me and um, and we kept pushing and pushing and we weren't really getting anywhere we I think I ended up I ended up in hospital so many times but one of the times we managed to get someone to refer me to a gynecologist but he still felt it was IBS but he said I will refer you and um, and when I saw the guy the male it was a male gynecologist who I saw in the NHS and when I actually got to see him he just kind of, he listened to me and he just kind of was a bit and He just said, oh, we'll put you down for laparoscopy. It's the golden standard, he said, but trust me. And he went, I categorically, um, no, you do not have endometriosis. So I was like, "Right, okay. And so I went away from there and I was on the waiting list. And the waiting time was, mass- was just huge. Um, and my mum was doing lots of research, how she can help me. And she found a gynecologist, a female gynecologist w- that we went to see privately. My parents saved for me because they were we were just desperate. I had no quality of life. Um, and as soon as we went in to see her, I was on both crutches. I could hardly stand up straight um, from the pressure in my stomach and back. And when I got in there and told her my story, she said, you definitely have endometriosis. And I just remember when I heard those words, I said, can you just say that again? And I just burst out crying because I just felt for so long that I was crazy and that, I was making all this pain up, and I was just going out of my mind. And it was just amazing to hear this. Um, and she did. She finally. She did. She transferred my care over to her in the NHS. She pushed it as urgent. I got my surgery three months later. And after seven years of suffering, age 19, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. Um, and that's nearly 12 years ago now. And it's just, it's just crazy what girls and women. It doesn't matter where you're from. We all suffer from this awful disease and every woman gets treated so badly and still the same and nothing seems to be changing. Um, And that's why I love that I can do this charity and campaign work with Dr Sharma because we just want to try and change people's lives like ourselves to get something better because we need more awareness out there yeah
0: you're so correct i'm so sorry that you had to go through that and all that pain i guess our only consolation is that you are working so hard to make sure that someone else doesn't go through what you've been through so thank you so much for all your work um and that leads me to the next question how did you and dr Sharma meet and how did you begin to do like what do you do together and um How did you start that?
1: Courtney was a registered patient of my practice. And when I heard her story, read her notes that how much she suffered, how many times she's been to A&E and diagnosis was only made when she went private. So I felt that something needed doing. We need to work together because like Courtney, there are other women who are suffering in silence, not getting the diagnosis made, not getting the proper treatment. So we started working together And obviously, we involved the endometriosis specialist consultant as well with us. We felt a GP, a patient and consultants, if we work together to raise awareness and promote the education of professionals and the public as well, hopefully we can make a a difference. So we started it and then we were so pleased. Hard work of Courtney. Andy Burnham came last year. Uh, and he also supports our charity because i think he also felt that something needed doing so this is the reason how we got involved now i'll hand over to courtney okay <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, yes yeah, so that's amazing to hear all that from dr Sharma because it's just it's just crazy how long it takes women to get diagnosed and recognized um, and i'll never forget after that first surgery I'd had, it was a matter of, it was only a couple of weeks later, and I got a phone call from Dr Sharma, um, and she just said to me, I'm so sorry for everything that you've been through. She said, I've been reading all your notes, she said, and I can see how badly you've really been let down um, by the, like, health system, and she said, and I don't want that to happen again, and she said, how would you feel, would you be willing to work together if we formed or tried to start a charity together on endometriosis, and... I'll just never forget that phone call, and I was just like, "Wow!" Like because even after your surgery and after your care, and I'm very lucky that my GP did that for me, because there's not this the follow up care for a lot of girls, especially after the first surgery, is so poor. Yeah. Um, and a lot of I've, I've asked so many girls, and they say oh, there's no after care and nothing happens. You just left, and then when it starts to come back again, what do we do? And so I was very lucky that I got that opportunity to work with Dr Sharma and now we can spread so much awareness and it's also helped me to never feel alone because I know so many people are wanting to get on board and help and I'm, I'm so happy that we can do this and we can help other girls and women not feel alone because that is my that is the reason I share my story now and every time we go to a charity event I'll always cry this is the first time I haven't cried actually because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just it's reliving trauma and Knowing that that's how I feel, how many other girls and women feel like that but haven't been able to have the voice I now get to have, sharing my story to help others. That so many people suffer alone and then it's amazing to hear girls and women being able to say, Oh, I've got a question. I feel I've got it too and they're coming up to me then afterwards, I'm giving them details and go and see this person and you know, follow you know, if they're not if they're fobbing you off. And they can't do that. They've got these nice guidelines. They have to refer you on to a specialist. And I only know that through working now with Dr Sharma together. And it's just amazing that we've got this charity and we can all come together to help other girls and women who are struggling and fighting alone in silence. So that's fantastic
0: so I know you've said that you have been doing with your charity you do a lot of events patient events and things like that and help other patients like you know like what steps to take how would you say that your charity impacts the professionals so the GPs or you know does it do anything for those that could be using the NICE guidelines to maybe help their patients to be better how is your charity making that happen
1: Whenever I do a presentation for GPs or any healthcare professionals, I always take Courtney with me. If she's not able to come, then a video recording of her. So when I start my presentation, I always say, I'd like you to listen to Courtney first before I start my presentation so she goes through what she's gone through what she's just now told you and i think that makes a bigger impact listening to courtney so that when a gp sees a patient next time with similar symptoms or more or less same symptom then they would know could it be endometriosis and let's do something about it what i felt was that in a gp surgery now it's not only gps at the moment There are practice nurses, there are ANP, there are pharmacists, there are physician associates, there are GP trainees, there are medical students. So they all are seeing patients. And I think it's important not only to raise, improve education of GPs, but the other healthcare professionals as well. So every presentation of ours, we invite other other professionals too, so that they do know What is endometriosis? What are the symptoms? What's to be done? When to refer? Where to refer? What is the first line of management? So it is making an impact. Yes, locally we have made some difference, but I still feel a lot needs to be done. A lot needs to be done.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. A lot needs to be done. And on that note, I want to ask a bit about late diagnosis. So we know that those are—that's the big issue with endometriosis. The fact that there's no cure is one big thing, and hopefully research is being done to understand the theories of the pathogenesis of endometriosis. But another important thing is the diagnosis and how long it takes. Like Courtney, you said it took you seven years—you know—of pain and suffering before you even got listened to. And that's a big thing because the problem is that we have the GPs that most of our patients, most you know, endometriosis patients, like everyone actually goes to. And when they go to the GPs, many of them say that they go to the GP up to 15 times, if not more, before they even get referred for further investigation at all. So and by then, of course, the disease might have progressed. Things may have gotten worse because we know that endometriosis, endometriosis is a progressive disease. So my mm-hmm. question to you, Dr. Sharma, is: since you're a GP, what would you say is the cause of this situation where people have to go to their GPs and multiple GPs multiple times before they even get heard? And mm-hmm. you know, why is it just lack of awareness? Is it just lack of resources and time? What is it? Mm-hmm
1: you're absolutely right practitioners lack of awareness of endometriosis what are the symptoms and what are the signs that is the most important thing then the other thing which i feel is the stigma stigma associated with discussing period problems and painful sex so especially black and minority ethnic they feel very reluctant talking about how painful their periods are and how painful the sex has been. So I go to Black and Minority Ethnic group as well in Oldham and I listen to their stories and they just carry on suffering in silence. Uh, poor education in schools and colleges as well. So I think that needs addressing too. The period health in schools and colleges has to be promoted. There was a report not so long ago, I mentioned the other day, that in one school, it was so devastating to read that they were given a red card. So if a girl uh, is on a period, and she's suffering with pain and she wants to go to the toilet during the lesson. She has to raise her red card so that the teacher understands and let her go to the toilet. And I said that this is simply not acceptable. No. Then investigations now. Yes, like Courtney has said, she had blood tests. Blood tests are not diagnostic of endometriosis. Courtney said she had scan scan is not diagnostic. Abdominal or transvaginal scan, not diagnostic. So what happens is most of the GPs will do the blood test, the scan, and they say everything is normal but that's not right so they discharge the patient the only diagnosis what Courtney has said is the laparoscopy and histology looking at the endometriotic deposits and the histology confirming the diagnosis and I think that is the reason why there is a delay because once the tests are negative the patient is discharged all your tests are fine so i'm not sure whether you read the report on all all party parliamentary group on endometriosis was published after covid and they said let's not blame covid for delay in diagnosis the delay in diagnosis is lack of awareness of symptoms by the practitioners so every time me and courtney we do a presentation i have got one slide and that slide is the symptoms diagnosis so i shared that slide with everyone i said i say put it on your desktop please share it with the other gps in your practice practice nurse physician associates so that when they see a patient similar to with these symptoms you would know and when they hear courtney's story then yes it becomes easier then the other problem is that you have to have a specialist consultant in endometriosis." Not a general specialist can make a diagnosis. They will also say everything is normal and the guidelines clearly say in every area there should be a specialist endometriosis center, which means a specialist consultant, a specialist bowel consultant, a specialist urologist, a specialist diagnostic and they should work together. Still not happening, still not happening and that is a reason why we've not made a change. Still taking 7.5 years to make a diagnosis. 7.5 years.
0: It's heartbreaking, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So
0: I know that, you know, you started a charity and I'm sure you're putting a lot of time, efforts and even money into the charity, into your events, into even printing, you know, documents and things like that, that you want to share with your GPs, with patients and all that. So my question is, what would you say is the current state of funding when it comes to women's health issues? In my experience and from everything I've gathered, funding for women's health is very low, especially compared to, you know, men's health. So I think my question here is, why do you think women's health is so grossly underfunded and what can we do to improve things? I'll ask Dr. Shaman, then I'll see what Courtney thinks as well.
1: Right. The most important thing I feel is the COF. I'm not sure whether you've heard of that terminology. COF stands for Quality Outcome Framework. So this Quality Outcome Framework was introduced as a part of GMS contract for GPs in 2004. And that means if we do this, 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 and this, we get paid. So co-op, say for heart failure, or for hypertension, or asthma, or COPD, any other problems, if I do asthma follow-up, make sure proper inhalers are issued, make sure patient gets seen every six months, make sure I check the inhaler technique, I get paid, I get paid. The more I do, the more points I make and the more money I make. Same is for hypertension. A patient who has got high blood pressure, I check the blood pressure, I get paid. If it's raised, I give medication, lower it, I get paid. I do the follow-up, I get paid. Now, if you ask, is there any such co off area in any of the women's problems? No no and this is what i've been saying for such a long time why there is no quality outcome frame we want to provide quality treatment so unless there is a money attached to it some of us some of us won't work now if i get the money for asthma i'll appoint a nurse because i get money given to me the nurse will do all my follow-up will generate the money and yes i make money out of it but endometriosis heavy menstrual bleed menopause infertility repeated miscarriages you name it there is no money attached to it and no one cares about women's problem the second thing i raised it the other day i came to know that the government has said there will be 20 million funding uh, which was announced in March and that funding will go only towards women's health. So that funding will go to the Integrated Care Board. Previously, it used to be CCG. Now, CCG is not there. So Integrated Care Board, 42 Integrated Care Board in the UK. So each Integrated Care Board will get this amount of money to improve one or two areas about women's health. So I did knock-knock. I said, we're going to get the money, so where are we thinking of spending that money? Endometriosis is one area where I feel the care is needed, early diagnosis is needed, follow-up is needed, women's need help and support. Well, you can imagine the answer.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: So I think now we need to work together. I'm not going to give up and I'm going to let other areas know as well. Do you know that your integrated care board is getting this amount of money? Please get involved because they want to see one or two women's health to be improved. So in every area we have to identify and I think endometriosis, I mean... (laughs) One in 10 women suffer from it. Yeah, 7.5 years. is affecting women's health. The whole family gets affected. If you listen to Courtney, her mom, dad, and now her husband, they've all been affected. Her workplace as well. She wants to work. She wants to be happy and healthy. So it's not just the physical pain. It's the mental, social, psychological, everything. So there should be one area dedicated should deal with these problems and provide the treatment straight away
0: wow that's very informative i i have always known about you know how poorly women's health have been you know considered in some of these funding situations but i think your response has really made it clear like very clearly that most of the time people will only bring, make change when money is attached and this is why we have to keep you know fighting for you know for some of the money to come to these aspects of women's health. I mean women make up half of the population right? So we're not necessarily a minority like people think and we should actually be fighting for this. So this is really important and thank you for sharing and I would definitely love to work with you wherever we can to continue to talk about I did
1: push this in the Parliament as well through one MP so she said Anita you're right let's put this as a quality outcome framework for women's health and it just come to a standstill nothing just to happened. a standstill. nothing has happened so funding is there where would the money go? No idea. So unless we all work together, yeah. I don't think we can make a change. And I always say, even though women live longer than men, we live four years longer than men, but we live in poor health. Yeah, we live in poor health.
0: Lots of pain from menstrual, yeah. from premenstrual to menstrual, yeah. and even the menopause stage.
1: Yeah, pregnancy, like always- baby and- deliveries, exactly. births, miscarriages—so many things there.
0: Yeah, agree. Thank you so much for sharing that. Courtney, do you have anything to add regarding that? And then I'll ask you about your mental health after that.
2: Okay. Um, I think the main thing is definitely everything that Dr. sharma has said. I mean, again, like before we worked together on this charity, I never knew the reasons why we were so underlooked with our health and why we, we were waiting for years and years for an appointment and then a man can walk into a&E and he seems to get that, I wouldn't mind as an example, but my husband actually is going back about a year ago Um, he had a problem with the mailer and he wanted to get it checked to make sure everything was okay and so we went to a and and he was seen within probably an hour and he was offered to stay in overnight um, for the problem which Patrick felt like wasn't actually an emergency he just wanted to get it checked Um. But he said, no, no, he said, they said, well, please come first thing tomorrow. We're going to send you over to, I think it was Fairfield, and just prepare yourself. You might be having surgery that day. Um, He had all the tests done the next day. It was all fine. It was just a cyst. He was fine. So they said, oh, it'll go away. But the point is, is they were willing to give him a surgery the next day. And, oh, obviously, I would love I, if there was anything wrong with him. Of course, I want that to happen for him. But my point is, is as a woman and as sufferers of endometriosis, for example, as you will know yourself, if we go to A&E and we say, oh, something doesn't feel right with our woman area, please help me. And we're literally screaming in pain, needing morphine. And, and then they'll look and say, oh, your scan's normal or everything looks okay to me. Off you go home. Just take yeah. some paracetamol. You'll be fine. Yeah. And it just, the difference as well as money, which is the main problem for sure, is still the inequality within men and women yeah. and the health system. It's just, it's just so shocking to see. And like all the examples that I've been said by yourself and Dr Sharma, women have to do so much <laughs> and we do live longer than men in, in in many ways and I just don't understand why we're not treated as fairly and the same. We should at least be treated the same and it does worry me that even now we're not and I'm just wondering how many more generations are going to have to suffer through poor health and that's that's my take on yeah. it really.
0: Yeah, I agree with both of you. We just, yeah, we just have to keep fighting really until there's um, some semblance of equality. Um, Mm. But thank you so much for your responses. Very insightful. So Courtney, tell me a bit about how endometriosis has affected your mental health. Because I know that a lot of people and, you know, physicians say, oh, it's in your head. And sometimes they pretend or they ignore the fact that it's not just a mental thing. It's not like something you're just making up your body. Like you said earlier, your body is actively physically in pain that you're vomiting, you're throwing up at the same time and you, you know, you, you know, passed out. So it's not just a physical thing and it's not just a mental thing. It's like very intertwined. So how would you say endometriosis has really has affected your mental health and how are you coping?
2: I'd say Endometriosis—it's it's greatly affecting my mental health. Um, and I'd say I'll come back to the present moment now, but going all the way back to then, with constantly being told, "Oh, it's all in your head; you're making it up," or it's, "You just—you've got health anxiety." Um, I was such a happy, bubbly young teenage girl, as most are, unless you suffer with a mental health condition, and I never did. I never suffered with um, depression. I was always very happy. Um, and with all this constantly being said to me and being made to go and see counsellors who were quite condescending and weren't very kind when they should have been especially to someone who's young and vulnerable I, I found that that just had such a massive impact on my mental health and the pain was only getting worse and worse and worse and of course I was isolated because I couldn't I wasn't well enough to go to school I, I couldn't go out and see my friends I was very much isolated at home unless someone would come to see me um, and I found that after such a long time of being told I was making this up um, it did push me to such a dark place and as a young girl it scares me that that uh, that was allowed to happen and it just worries me that professionals are saying these kind of things to young girls and women and nothing's kind of being learnt from it even though we're trying to be heard and I remember I was at such a low point um, in my young teens that I did, I made several attempts to take my life um, because I was just in so much pain um all the time and I just couldn't understand how can I be making this up I do you not think I'd love to be out now going social with my friends it's a time to start it's a time to be making mistakes in your life and to take different paths and it's fine if, if you've not made the right one you start a new one and I just found that I was missing out on everything um and the impact it had on me mentally I just felt so alone and I didn't see a way out I really didn't in all that pain and um, with no answer, and then I thought, is this really me making this up? And is this how I'm going to live forever? What's wrong with me? Um, I just thought that was the only way out at the time. Um, and I remember I had to go to my parents took me to A and E because I did try to hurt myself because I obviously wasn't very well um, because of all the suffering physically, but mainly mentally because I was made to feel crazy. And that's the that's the thing with it. I think as I've learned with time, with any kind of anyone with chronic pain, it's how you can handle it and it's how you know how you, how you might choose to whether you, some people are into mindfulness and meditation some people might choose talking therapy I think anyone who suffers with chronic pain should make sure that they look after themselves mentally too because it has such an effect on it it really does and it, you can slip down that dark road because it's for us there's no cure so we've, we've got to try and find a way that works for us to handle it and even now I've recently been diagnosed with um, PMDD which is a type of PM, PMS but more severe Um, and only last month I've been put on antidepressants now because it scares me I mean I already had these thoughts with my endometriosis and I know we have so many hormones anyway a lot of extra estrogen that it's feeding for our bodies and but I do every month and I would suffer with depression same time each month and then it goes and I for such a long time I couldn't understand why why is this happening because I'm happy and why do I feel like this and and then last month I it terrified me but I actually felt suicidal Um, and I very nearly acted upon it and I just got married I was just I'm happy the way I handle my endometriosis now mentally I meditate I'm mindful and most of the time I'm okay mentally most of the time not perfect because all of us suffer having dips of anxiety and depression because it's a very hard disease to live with it has a massive toll on your mental health but I just didn't understand why this was happening, and I rang the doctor in tears because I said I don't want. I now I've come out of that. I'm looking and thinking I would never dream of wanting to take my life. I would never. I'm such a happy. I'm so happy. I've just got married. I'm starting my life. Why is this happening to me? And he said, I think you're definitely suffering from PNDD. Um, which is a more severe type of PMS he said which I have seen in a lot of young girls before he said and I have seen it because I said could it be to endometriosis he said I have seen it more in women who have got gynecological problems as well and it's just it's just it's crazy what, um, what again what a woman goes through and all the hormones we have and there's not always, always a reason for feeling depressed but pain and secondary conditions like PMS PMDD have a massive knock-on effect and it can be so scary if you are a happy person it can be very scary to go through that and very dangerous um, unless it's addressed and managed and treated um and yeah i think a lot more needs to be done for women's mental health who are suffering with conditions like endometriosis because it's it's very very difficult to live with and girls should not be made to feel like it's on the heads so they need to learn from for example these charity events we're doing pass the word on, tell other GPs about it, tell other professors about it, other people have got an interest in gynecological problems of women's health, because that's the starting point. If you go to the GP, tell them how you're feeling physically, I'm really scared what I'm going from having these symptoms, if they can stop thinking, oh I remember when I went to that presentation, this might actually be endometriosis, and they treat you completely differently rather than make you feel like you've got to jump through all these loops and years of suffering that will reduce I would not be surprised if we saw a massive reduction in the mental health problems of young teenage girls suffering and going on to be diagnosed with endometriosis I think a lot more needs to be done with that and again educating and keep educating and speaking about it because young girls and women did not deserve to be feeling that way you're correct thank you
0: so much and I'm really sorry the you know it feels like a, something that never ends you know you have endometriosis and you think it's the worst thing that could ever happen to you and then maybe you're diagnosed with infertility or then you have like you said pmdd depression anxiety and all of these and it just feels a bit too much um so yeah you're right for anyone listening it's very important to speak to your doctor about your mental health as well and just keep speaking up don't let anyone shut you up don't let anyone make you think that you know it's in your head or you are being dramatic because we also get that rap that oh you're just being dramatic you're just being over the top but that's not correct so i'm really sorry but thank you for sharing that i want to go on to a very quick one before we round up and this is talking about research so everyone seems to be we're all doing a lot in our different you know, areas with your charity. You're making a big difference to, you know, the patient population, to the GPs and the professionals, which is amazing. Like Dr. Sharma said, also, hopefully speaking to you schools and, you know, colleges and, you know, helping them raise awareness and understanding what, you know, them about their um, gynecological health, menstrual health and things like that. But another aspect of this is research. So I've seen that a lot of um, research Studies are now being done within endo- about endometriosis. So things like, you know, the impact of endometriosis on people's, like you said, mental well-being, or the impact of food and diet on endometriosis. I've also seen a few things like um, different diagnostic um tools being looked into. So for example, I saw one about using urine or speeds to um hopefully diagnose endometriosis. So. Yeah, which is quite interesting. So I had a conversation with the lady um, from Hall University. So that's kind of out there and it's quite exciting to see that people are doing all sorts of things with regards to diagnosis. So my question now is, do you or have you heard of any, um, you know, research studies being done with regards to diagnoses or are you involved in any or are you interested in any just you know let's just talk about research um, just so that people know what's going on out there
1: so if I start first uh, like you said I mean no one knows at this moment the exact cause of endometriosis people say yes it is hormonal related estrogen related okay but then menopause time the estrogen goes down and down so people should not develop endometriosis but they still do so then there are other factors they say genetics environmental lifestyle you have said could they be contributing to it uh, at the moment people are thinking is the genetics which play a major part in the uh, development of the uh, endometriosis. So women, if they've got the first degree relative, they are more likely to suffer with endo. Even the second or the third degree relative, if they've got endometriosis, they are more likely to suffer. Then they are looking into several genetic mutations. There are several genetic mutations, and they are saying that could they be linked to the endometriosis So the study is going on, but till today, we've still not got any genetic testing or any blood test or anything apart from histology, which can confirm the diagnosis. Now, I'm involved with Professor Kay Marshall. She is a professor in University of Manchester, and she is involved into the research of endometriosis. So obviously, she says, Anita, yes. We do need funding for various research, what is going on. So as a charity, raising awareness, that is another thing what we are intending to do, to raise funds towards the research so that we find the simple test, either a genetic test or a blood test or a hormonal test, which can make an early diagnosis. And once the diagnosis is made, then maybe early management So till today, there is not even a single test, which I am aware of, will confirm the diagnosis.
0: Yeah, which is kind of sad, but we just hope that over the next few years, I know that we've had a lot of change when it comes to the field of endometriosis as a subject um, over the last few years. So I'm hoping that as we continue to work hard and, you know, raise awareness and people get more interested in solving this problem that we'll be able to, you know, have some kind of diagnostic tool or biomarker to help us, you know, diagnose earlier and also create or, you know, results in early treatment or earlier treatment so that people don't suffer for so many years. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. And I think for For the final bit of the interview, I'd just like to ask you, Dr. Sharma, if there's anything you'd like anyone listening to take away from this conversation.
1: Uh, So one thing I would like to say is don't dismiss the symptoms if a young girl is coming with symptoms which are suggestive of endometriosis. And I always say six Ps, B, painful period, painful bowel movements, painful sex, pain when passing urination, difficulty getting pregnant. These are the important things. So if a young girl is coming again and again with these typical symptoms, okay, do the blood test if you want to do it okay do the scan if you want to do it but please you can start the treatment what the guidelines say analgesia or hormonal treatment but maximum is three months but if she's so much debilitating in pain even you started the treatment do the early referral find out wherever area you're from who is the endometriosis specialist and refer the patient to that specialist. Find out which is the nearest tertiary centre in your area because tertiary centre has got skilled professionals. And yes, tell the patient, I'm going to send you to Manchester. That's a tertiary secondary care endometriosis centre where there are all specialists, a diagnosis will be made and there will be a management plan. So that is what I would like to say.
0: Thank you so much, Dr Sharma. And you, Courtney?
2: Um, yeah, I just think to all the girls and women um, that are suffering or you feel you are suffering endometriosis and you're being told that you're making up or it's all in your head, please, please, please always listen to your own body and know that you are always right and to listen to the senses of your body and never give up fighting. Keep going back, keep pushing. It doesn't matter how many times you go to the doctor's How many times you go to a please know you are not crazy and your pain is all very much real. And know to reach out to other young girls and women. You know, there's so many pages now online as well, like on Instagram. There's lots of endometriosis accounts. Please don't suffer in silence. And if you feel like you are, maybe have a look and try and message one of the girls or women on there. And just know you are never alone. Please don't give up fighting and keep going until you get an answer. Thank
0: you very much. And to round it off, I'd also like to say that always keep a note of your symptoms because it's always good to go to your doctor armed with information and being able to say this is what has been happening over the last few weeks, months. And that way you're able to explain your symptoms and hopefully push for a diagnosis. Thank you very much, Dr. Sharma and Courtney. I've had such a lovely time speaking to you both and learning about what you've been doing and what you continue to do in the field of endometriosis. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you for inviting you. us. Let's see if we can make a difference to women's life. Yes, we will. Thank you for listening to this episode of Not
0: Defined by Endo. If you enjoy this episode, please share rate and subscribe to the podcast for more episodes like this till next time remember you are not defined by endo